What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, when it comes to sound systems, this is one of the biggest sound systems to ever come out of the UK. Listen, when it comes to the culture in the UK, this lady here is definitely a culture mover and a culture shaker. You know, we have in the building today, we have Lady V, the queen of culture, representing V Rocket, the only sound that goes to the What's going on, Queen? Enough respect, Master. And big up to all the listeners out there. Enough respect every time. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Entertainment Report podcast today. Thank you so much for having us. Definitely. Because you see, V Rocket is a sound that I really want to get into because us here, especially from a Canadian point of view, we heard about the sound, but now we really get to get in depth hear of what's going on with the song and even you as a promoter manager owner there's a lot of stuff to talk about so we're going to talk today right all right okay great. all right so my first question is this where did you grow up in jamaica and what type of child were you well i was born in um spanish town um jamaica and i came to the uk um to join my late parents 1966 66 yes mm -hmm. okay so you grew up mostly in the uk mostly in the uk i came to the i came to the uk at a fairly young age um six going into seven mm -hmm. all right and what type of child were you growing up then well um i grew up mainly with my brothers my my sisters left home at um relatively early age set up their own home mm -hmm. so um i grew up mainly with my brothers my parents and their school friends right there and what were you as a child what do you think you were gonna become where you think you're gonna become a doctor a lawyer you're gonna follow some music what do you think you were gonna get into at a young age i wanted to um travel and to be an aerostice. I wanted to um, study languages and to be able to go all over the world. So music wasn't even um, a part of the plan. Although when I came to the UK, um, I came to find my parents with a 50 watt sound system that was entertaining the local community. Um, back in those days, Muscle, um, I'll, I'll set the pace and let you know how it was then. So back in those days, um, black people wasn't allowed to go into venues. So they had to create their own entertainment with that Windrush generation that came to the UK um, in the early 60s. So at the weekends, they used to have what we call blues parties, house parties. They used to do... Um, um, dominoes and ludi and all the things that we would do back home that used to happen at, at, at the house growing up. So, you know, they used to cook food and sell food. So people would come, they'd buy their food, they'd stop off, they'd play some dominoes, they'd play some cards. And, 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 and that's the environment I grew up as a, as a, as a young girl. And um, like I said, my sisters had left home. So it was predominantly, uh, apart from my mom and dad, it was predominantly a lot of males um, that I grew up amongst. 
So when did you actually start to, because you said your parents are playing music and having the parties and stuff. So when did the music start to seep into you now where you started to really pay attention to the music now? Well, I always paid attention because music was a part of our everyday um, settings. But it wasn't until I left school um, and um, waiting to go to college um, my brothers and their school friends moved the sound. The sound had started to grow and get bigger from back in the earlier days. And they used to come in and they would complain that they'd either not been paid or things wasn't um, quite organized as how they really wanted it to be. So um, I used to be really sort of uh, an uptown person that, uh, that had got, it, uh, was on a different kind of scene. And um, I said, look, I'm waiting to go to college. Let me be the agent. I'll take the bookings and I'll um, start dealing with things for you guys. I was the youngest of, of everybody at the time. But um, that's, I think, where the changes began and when I got involved. So I started to take the bookings and I started to sow the seeds where I went to Jamaica and started to build up a relationship with Jamaica, with the artists, with artists them, with the studios. Um, that time it was um, Channel One, Maxfield Avenue, who, who, who came and his brothers. Scringy, the late Scringy, was the engineer at that time. And I was meeting, you know, sound systems from back in, in those days. Um, and that's where my input really started until I started to actually promote events and and doing our own events and that's that's when i became a part of v rocket from there so even like say say the trip to even jamaica now to channel one did you have a, a link to channel one or you just decided this is where i'm going to go and this is where we're going to hit the ground running and try to get some music from there well at the time i didn't have a link um i went to jamaica but my, my, my dad he used to be in jamaica regularly so all our 45s and disco disco 45s and those kind of songs, the pre-releases, they was already flowing. He used to make sure we was getting those tunes, those um, songs on a regular basis. When I went over to, to, to Jamaica, um, Channel One was the studio that was running things. So it was the place to be. Tommy's at his studio over in Firehouse. Um, it was a little before Jamis, King Jamis came on the scene. So it was the studio for me to be at. So, um, you know, King Stereograph and Jalove and, and those sounds was running the place at the time. Um, Ranking Joe um, and, and Just Crew. Um, those was the guys that I met up with and, and sort of helped me in that direction. So that's the first studio that I really started to cut dubs from at the Channel One Maxfield Avenue. What were, do you remember some of the dubs that you actually brought back to the UK? Because remember at that time there now, if a sound's going to Jamaica and bringing back the dubs, bringing back the music and stuff, you're very exclusive. You have a lot of fresh stuff on the block. Do you remember some of the first dubs that you were cutting back then? Well, um, it's a long time, but even back in those days, Sometimes it wasn't just about dub plates that had the name V Rocket in there. It would be 
maybe dub plates that was mixed completely different, one away mixes. So, you know, people tend to think that dub plates are, th are, are songs that has the sound names in it. Those days, it wasn't necessarily so. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a case where you would get songs that wasn't released yet and it would be mixed completely different to the mix that would eventually hit the streets. So, you know, back in those days, it's so long ago, um, early days dubs, um, the old brain is got it's a bit old for me now. So, you know, um, <laughs> no problem. Them, I can't even remember so long ago. Mm -hmm. So then you came back to the UK then. So then what was was V Rocket a big song at that time there, or you guys were on the rise when when you guys came back? When you came back from Channel One? No, we was on the rise. Mm -hmm. We was relatively um we're based in Nottingham, Conscious Sound. We was on the rise. There was bigger sounds. Those days, you know, there was the Sir Coxons, there was the Quaker Cities, there was the Mafia Tones. Those was the giants of the UK those days. So we was on the rise. We were the, 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 the selectors at the time, I teamed up with Parliament and Ruben, their brothers, that's still a part of the sound now. Mm -hmm. And um, they had left their um, youth sound to 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 be on the the bigger sound. My brother brought them over from their youth sound to V Rocket. So we was on the rise then. We was on the rise. So we was um you know making um a, a, a route for ourselves. We was on that path where we was growing in status. So as far as Nottingham was concerned, certainly we was the main sound in Nottingham. But we hadn't really stamped our mark so to speak um it was it wasn't until further on um as things progressed and we started to become more competitive and started to travel outside of nottingham um midlands wise london that the status really grew all right so i guess nottingham at this time here you guys would be considered the country song so i guess the town sounds would be like sounds from like london and those places there Absolutely. Wow. When did you guys actually? Soprano B, the Eunice, those were the, the sounds. Um, so these, um, and then you would have obviously the, the sounds then from, from Birmingham, like, like I mentioned earlier on. Those were the sounds. Sir Christopher, those were the sounds at the time that was really the big sounds when I first got involved with V Rocky. Mm -hmm. Who would you say was the first bigger songs you guys had to actually tackle to start making a name for yourself? Well, I remember one night we had to in a in a in a famous um venue um over in Leicester, which is it's just down the road from Nottingham, where we we was playing um Quaker City and Mafia Tola. Quaker City had one of the, if not the best playing sound system at the time in the UK. So Back in those days, um, it wasn't like now. Every sound, when you went to play, you had to have your own sound. So Quaker City had a, a phenomenal sound system. Mafia Tone had a great sound system as well, but musically, amazing. So that night was an absolute calling for us, um, both um, sound system-wise, 
and also musically. But you know, we go, we went with what we had. You have to start from somewhere. You have to experience getting to top and kick <laughs> to, 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 to improve. And, and that was one of the changes for us, you know, making sure that our sound system can sound like a Quaker city and make sure the levels of music can be on the levels of, of a, a sound like Mafia Tone and, and, and sounds like Sir Coxon. To be honest, um, growing up, we wanted to be a Sir Coxon because mm. that was the sound that we looked up to as the sound that we wanted to be like. When did Saxon, when did you guys get involved with Saxon now? Well, Saxon came on the scene um, after some of those sounds that I've mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the first dance, um, year-wise, I wouldn't remember the year. I was in Jamaica. I went over to cut some dubs. And um, Jamaica was my second home. Um, and I used to be there so regularly. I was on enough planes all the time. So I would fly to Jersey, New Jersey, to Chansco. I would pick up my blank duck plates, 25 in a box, um, maybe two, three, four boxes. Um, some I would bring for King Jammies. By this time, we developed a relationship with, with King Jammies. Jammies had his own studio now. Um, Scringy had moved from Channel One and had gone over to, to, to Jammies. And of course, the late, great Mobber Digital. So... Um, I found a really good relationship. Many people may not know, but King Jammies um, had a brother that lived and uh, lived in Nottingham, um, and as families, um, nieces and so such in the UK, based right here in our city. Okay. So, um, one of the first dances with, with with Saxon was at a venue called the Rock City, um, and I'd I, I'd travelled to Jamaica. I didn't get back. Um, for, for the clash, but it was an absolute roadblock. Both, just the two sounds, both sounds on, uh, on their own equipment, and um, it was a phenomenal night. That was the, 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 the first, if I remember correctly, um, the rivalry had started with Saxon and V Rocket. Mm -hmm. Who would you say won the first night? Um, the, the, during those times, is is DJs and 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 um, entertainers was they was the, 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 the they they had come with the new style, so it wasn't going to be although it was in our own backyard, it wasn't going to be easy because um, Tipper Irie, Philip Levi. And all those guys, they was on top of their game. No joke about it. Um, they, they, they was on top of their game. So it wasn't going to be easy. Um, like I said, I wasn't at the dance. Um, our guys, Elder Own, they did extremely well. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is those guys was on their A, A, A game. So, um, you know, again, it was experience. And um, my guys learned from, from, from that first night. Good right there. So you say even the, the link with King Jammies now, so it really came from UK from his brother, and then that's how you connected with Jammies in Jamaica? Well, the, no, 
Well, the first time I met with King Jammies, my my mum and dad kept a street party. It was a a, a, a jubilee. Mm -hmm. um, the the first Queen Jubilee that was held in the UK. Um, that um, that I was present at, and the Jammies was in the UK at the time, and he came to the street party. That's when I believe I first met him, and um, it started from there really. Then you went down there, and then now you're the one cutting the dubs and stuff. And how was it now as a female in that, in the trenches in Waterhouse? You're going in, cutting the dubs, rubbing shoulders with the mandem and stuff. How was that now for you? You know what, um, Muscle? Um, amazing. It, it, it wasn't easy. Um, the relationship that I formed with Jamis, it was like we was the UK Jamis. There was two sounds in the UK that Jamis took under his wings and all his productions. First, uh, the minute they recorded and they pressed, even sometime before that they, they pressed, we would get them. Um, ourselves and a sound called Unity. So going to Jamaica, and uh, as a female, it was it, it was fascinating for a lot of the, the artists that I used to voice at the time. Um, many of Jamie's, um Admiral Bailey, Hugh Griffiths, Little John, um, Pliers, um, Beanie Man at, at his young days, Risker Benji. Um, so many that I can mention, Colonel Josie Wells, Ninja Man. I formed a relationship with many of those. Um, I remember one one trip I went, um, Ninja turned up and he said, go go get um, six black dog plates from Jamies. And he just filled them. You know, at the time, you would have the vocal and then the rhythm, the flip side of it. He filled the six dogs. So when it comes to artists like, like Ninja Man, for instance, we have crazy amount of tracks from him. Those are the kind of relationship that, you know, to go and voice as a female, it was unique. Oris Andy, all the veterans, Shabba. And, and I could keep naming names and sounds and it got to the stage where I started to bring some of those artists to the UK to perform on V Rocket and would spend um, weeks, maybe in some case, cases months, um, work, working on the sound as a part of the DJs. If you've, if you've seen the documentary, you'll see that lecturer became one of um, V Rocket's DJs. Um, one of the singers was Robert Lee. Um, and I was responsible for bringing up quite a, a, a few of, of of Jamie's artists, we did um, a tour with King Jamie's, um, where we bought the full crew of Riska Benji, um, Gregory Peck, all of those artists, we bought them, toured the all of the UK. And those dances, we, all, this, all the shows, we had to lock people out. People just couldn't get in. So, you know, that's the, the relationship that we had with, with Jamie's and me cutting, um, artists that was based around and you if you remember those days um artists used to hang out at the studios 
Nowadays, you maybe have to call them up and you meet them at the studio. Those days, it was an anarch thing. So, you know, our DJs and singers used to be just sat around it. So you'd be trying to voice the plates and you still have other artists singing and DJing because they want a piece of the action. So it, it, it was unique. It was something different. It was a good vibe there. So even from the UK based now, who were some of your artists based on the song UK wise? Not none of the ones that you had brought up, some of the UK artists. Well, um, from the UK, we had a, a, a DJ. He was predominantly the DJ during my time, Scrapey Banton. Mm. Um, Scrapey started on the sound at an extremely young age. Um, Scrapey was 14 going into 15. He didn't want to go to school because he was so much in love with the music. Um, and we used to say to him, you can't be on the sound scraper if you don't go to school. Mm -hmm. you, you can't be hanging around during the day when you're supposed to be at school. So eventually, between myself and Parliament, we got him to go to school. He, he did spend um, a, a few years in Jamaica, came back to the UK at a very young age. Scraper decided to go to school because without going to school, he had no chance of being a part of the sound. Mm -hmm. So Scraper was one of the, the, the DJs. My brother Rankin, he used to DJ on the sound in, in the early parts as well. And some of the, you know, younger guys, Daddy Wolf, um, Slabai, and some of the younger guys then before we started to bring in DJs from overseas. And that was like um, Penny Irie and those guys that you brought in. Yeah, Penny Irie, Teacher Desi, Edgington, Lecturer, Robert Lee, and, and others that would come and, and, and spend uh, some time with us and um, work on the sound until, you know, they would probably come do a six months. We may extend them for another six months if we could. And that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Super Black. Um, he spent maybe a good year and a half in the UK with us. Um, so, yeah. Because I know another super pivotal moment, and I know this is the first who was when you guys actually took the sound to Jamaica and went on that three-month tour there. This is not just the music, the actual sound system. Why did you guys, how did you guys even come up with that? And, and was this after, after Ray Symbolic brought their sound to the UK? Well, it, we, we used to, we used to have meetings muscle at the beginning of the year every january i i would sit with the guys and i would say to them what's the plan for the year what what do we want to achieve this year and um because the majority of them um are born here in the uk i thought it would be a great idea for them to go and see where it where it all began you know so I suggested we save, do some fundraising, um, save whatever we, we get in for the sound and make a trip to Jamaica. But we, we're going to take the equipment, the all of the equipment, sound system, amplifiers, generator, everything. Mm. And we started the project until the time came that we said, right, we think we've got enough funds to buy the tickets to um, ship the sound out. My dad used to deal with a shipping company called Transpac. 
And um, he used to ship his barrels and crates over to Jamaica. And um, we contacted them. They said they could look after the shipping. And um, they came where, right, we're going to ship the equipment off at Edivas because it would take time for it to get there. And then we would travel, fly it over and, and do a Jamaica tour and, and for, for, for a three-month period. And that was the changing game for V-Rocket. That was a game changer. You're underground now. What was the first, do you remember some of the early dances you guys played now, now that you guys are underground in Jamaica? Yes, we did. We did Grange Hill. We did the Grill. We did um, Spanish Town. We did um, Chaxil. We did... Um, um, we did Walton, Walton Park area, um, where inner city at the back of where Wally inner city had is, is, is shop. Okay. Um, so we did, a, we did, um, a number of updates, three months. And ob obviously we was based, we was based in Old Arbor Bay. So we did a lot of nights down there. So it was a full three months where we was able to do, um, events that we left the earnings for for um, the community center of Jacksonville um, and other other charitable um, enterprise that was over there, Maxwell Park Children Home, and and those things. So, yeah, we we did quite a lot of a lot of artists was able to pass through that. That's when we met people like Teacher Desi and Edgington and and Penny Irie, and it was it was after that we invited them to come to the UK um, as gratitude for them working on the sound while I was in, in, in Jamaica. Were you guys playing with sounds too, or was mostly just artists singing on the song at that time there? It was mainly, um, you know, artists passing through and, and, and working on the sound. Jack and Nutshot, um, um, Brigadier, Brigadier's got a young son that was um, pouring with the um, pouring with the sound at the time. Um, Skyfish Junior. Um, there was Courtney Melody. Um, quite a lot of different um, artists that had passed through Cockatee that had passed through and worked on the sound while we was there. Mm -hmm. Big right there. So then now you guys went, did your three months. So then now you guys have the real Jamaica vibes. Cause you said a lot of the people that were on the song, they're born in the UK. So then now you guys are bringing back this energy back to the UK. What was that energy like now when you guys got back to the UK after this crazy tour? Well, the, the, the vibes was hot. This, the, the, like I said, it was a game changer. Um, there is a, a, a venue in Nottingham called the Marcus Garvey Centre um, that we played a lot. So the management for that centre booked us for four weeks solid, mm. which was which was very smart. So the first week was going to be V Rocket by themselves. Um, we we did that night. There was about seven eight hundred people that turned up, and obviously lots of the sounds was there because they wanted to see what's the latest songs, what was new what we'd bought back. And then obviously we had competition for the following three weeks. So there was um, a, a class set up with us in Unity. There was one with us in 
um, Coxon, um, and I believe there was one with us in Java. And um, so coming back from Jamaica, the bookings was coming in quick and fast, quick and fast. Um, and um, obviously there was clashes with um, Saxon um, and many of the sounds around the country. We was all over the UK. It was our time, so to speak. It was V Rocket's time. This is, was our time. We'd got back from Jamaica. All the promoters wanted to have a piece of V Rocket. So we was very active. And then we, we was bringing in these guys and it was this Jamaica flavor. Um, so the sounding of that UK sounding vibes, it was like a, a, a sound, a Jamaica sound that was based in the UK. So it had that real yard vibe. That vibe there. There's two sounds that you mentioned. First one was Unity, because remember you said Unity and King Jammies and you and Jammies had linked. What was that clashing now? A sound that's basically has a lot of the same similarities like you. And then even now, Coxin now, the sound that you guys looked up to. What were those two clashes like in particular? Well, when we speak about Unity, um, I mean, uh, a lot of people remember, mainly remember the rivalry with us and Saxon, because if us and Saxon played, even if it was a, a, a weekday, um, it would be a roadblock. What, mm -hmm. for me, me personally, I used to think that all these clashes used to be with unity okay. because we was out of the same stable. Although, although we were still cutting songs from, from Tubby's, right? That it, it, we was both from the same stable. Their equipment-wise wasn't as big as V Rocket, but they had a really good quality sound, mm -hmm. and they had some really good DJs from London: Demon Rockers, Fleet of Badman, Specky Ranks, and those guys. Those guys was very good, and 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 Rips Robert, excellent selector. So when we came up with against a sound like Unity, right, the work was much harder because we're coming from the same camp. So it's who would be able to be able to produce um, and present and play equipment wise on the night. So those, those dances was always very close. But well, I'll say this muscle, the, the, the second week when we got back from Jamaica in 1987, um, the dance that we had at the Marcus Garvey Center with Unity, he knew he was never going to win that clash. <laughs> Not only was up against the new the new stuff, mm -hmm. but he was up against these new DJs that had that yard vibes, that yard flavor. Again, it was a roadblock dance at the Marcus Garvey Center. Unity played and um, created a great vibes. But the, the 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 response when V Rocket came on, partway through our play, what did Unity do? Switch his sound on at the same time that we was playing and mash up the dance. <laughs> and at the end of the thing, said, "Why, I'm sorry, and I bought Miranda mash up the dance, but take a killer." <laughs> so. That was the kind of experience we used to have with Unity. As with, with, with Sir Coxon now, it was, it was our time. 
those back in those days, right, it was a schooling for us. It was an education for us. But we've got to the position, we've got to the place now where things is different. We 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 more experience. We're getting the songs because at that, that time, King Jamis was the studio that was producing all the big songs. So we was the sound that was getting them, not Sir Coxon. So when Coxon came up at V-Rocket, the tide had changed. Mm. They had to accept freedom thump now. Because we was, we was thumping hard. We was kicking hard muscle them times then. So, you know, many times we would either in London or Birmingham or wherever, in Nottingham, and it was a no-brainer, right? We had to get our recognition because we was doing damage. Crazy. And then now, Saxon, now, did you guys ever clash Saxon in London or in their yard? Yes, we clashed Saxon. The last clash we... We clashed Saxon a number of times. Mm -hmm. um, the last clash we clashed Saxon was in Cricklewood in London. Um, and again, if you watch the documentary on a neutral basis, you will see, you will hear comments about it. Um, lecture was on fire that night. Um, they, they had their team. We had our team. And um, it was in their backyard. So they had a lot of fans. We brought our fans out too. But the good thing was um, that yard vibe that V-Rocket has um, made a difference. And, and, and so that night, I can safely say we had the upper act. That was the, the, the that, that Kilburn dance in London. The, 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 a lot of the clashes, there was good nights for Saxon and, and, and not so good for us. And there was good nights for V-Rocket and not so good for them. And that's what makes a rivalry. Why was, why was the rivalry so hot between the two songs? And you guys are from two totally different places. What was the synergy that made this so wicked between the two of you guys? It was the two sounds at the time. Um, we from out of the Midlands and Saxon from out of London. And at the time it was the two baddest sound. Mm -hmm. Saxon was, um, came on this, came on the scene with their DJs in the style. And, um, and we had our DJs and we had our style. So we based in the Midlands and they're based in, 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 in London. And it was just something muscle where, Anytime the two sounds buck up, music quality, 100%. Entertainment with the DJs and singers, 100%. Sound-wise, it was any promoter that had V-Rocket and Saxon at the full package. So that's why the rivalry was there. And, and, and at the, for, 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 for over that period of years that the rivalry existed, it was the two sounds. We was the best in the Midlands, right? And at the time, they was the best in London. So the competition was fierce. It was, it it was clashes that every sound man have to attend because if you're gonna if you want to hear music on the night and lyrics, that there would be the clash that you would need to be at. 
that right there big. And I think I remember this might be another big dance with V Rocket and Stone Love. And I think Clement Irie was on Stone Love and Lecturer was on V Rocket. Remember that dance? Big dance. It was a Monday night at the Buckus Garden Center Muscle. And um, Clement Irie had got his big tune at the time. Mm-hmm. And him and Rory traveled to do um, shows in, in the UK. And again, we had lecturer and a number of, of the, the other DJs, um, Penny Irie, Teacher Desi, um, Edgington, Scraper Banton, and um, our Mixer Wolf, which he played a, 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 a great part. Ruben, the selector, parliament, the operator. So the team was there. Um, Rory had come in and um, the, the, the dance was set. It was a Monday night. Again, it was a great turnout. And it was head to head, you know, round for round, tune for tune. And the end of that night, Rory said, no way. I need a rematch straight away. And obviously I used to see Clement Irie run at Jamis all the time. Mm-hmm. Every time I went, Clement Irie was based at the based at the at, round at Jamis. And although we used to see me cutting tons of dubs, he didn't realize how good the sound was until he came to the UK. So at the end of that clash, um, I mean, there was no competition, no disrespect to Clement, right? He had his big tune, but the guys then, they was outnumbered, so to speak, because we had much more DJs working that night. So they asked us for a rematch, and that rematch was in... Um, Silver Sands in, in, a, in a town called Uddersfield about two weeks after, two weeks promotion and listen mm-hmm. road block no joke <laughs> and when um, we signed on we signed on with a Frankie Paul mm-hmm. In Nottingham, they leaves a sound. Who plays the brightest dubs? The racket. Robert will tell you. When we signed on, he said, you know, so we're dead again. <laughs> <laughs> so, and after that, he said he would never travel to the UK and leave is 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 dub plate selection. Mm-hmm. He always talks about those two dances. I think he mentions it, it mentioned that clash um in the documentary actually. Mm-hmm. No, that's crazy. Was there another song that came up from Jamaica that you guys had to really put it on at that time there also? Oh, we used to play all the sounds that used to come up. I remember um same Marcus Garvey Center, we had a clash with Kilimanjaro. Okay. Um, Bonnie General was on Jaro. Ninja Man was on Jaro. But me and Ninja was like this. So it was very difficult for them to really come at us because of the the respect, so to speak. So um, again, it was one of those nights. Lecture was on the sound. Um, those dances are legendary uh, muscle. You know, those, those, those clashes are real memorable dances. So all the sounds then, you know, bodyguard. 
I remember a, a, a night we played bodyguard. We played bodyguard in Leicester. Iconic dance. This is how we earned our super cat dubs from back in those days. Um, and, and we're going many years back. Earl B. the Duck, Ninja Man. Um, all those guys was on bodyguard that night. And um, Tiger was performing on that show. But he was going to be performing on stage. <laughs> right? So we had our team. Um, and Bodyguard played um, the Ninja Man, Gone Upon Moon. But Ninja Man had already designed that song long before then. Mm -hmm. V-Rocket. He wrote that song for us. So when Bodyguard played it, right, and we came on, and the Inja said, only one song got to the moon and back on a V-Rocket. <laughs> and we dropped the dog. Right, I remember Johnny coming over and saying, "Are we recording the dance? Make sure it's recorded because when the dance finish, I want a copy of it." And and I remember when the dance fit during the dance, the vibe was so hot that Tiger didn't even wait for the stage show; he just took the mic, our mic, right, and said, "Rock bottom." Anything we said when we say rock bottom, rock bottom was a, a store in Jamaica that used to sell cheap things. Mm -hmm. And the man just mash up the place. So the 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 the, the Monday mm -hmm. we was at home and the phone rang. And it was a bridging that was pouring with Kat and the promoters. Um I think if I remember rightly, I think it was specialists that get that dance. Okay. And um, the question was, did we want some super cat? So we earned our super cats mm -hmm. by the performance at that dance. Mm. That's wild right there. And one of the one of those super cats. Mm. We I'm not saying no other son has got it myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've never heard another sound. I'm not even going to say say which it is. <laughs> but yes, I've never heard um, a sound play that particular Supercat. Mm -hmm. Did Supercat ever DJ live on V Rocket? In May, okay. Let me jog. Let me jog your memory. Well, well it's because so many sounds. Um, so many DJs at the time that was coming into the UK would have touched uh, the mic. Okay. There was a tour in the UK, I remember, with Supercat and Nicodemus. They DJed on Saxon, Coxon, Unity, um, and a couple more songs when they're in the UK, but I'm not sure if they DJed on V Rocket in that tour there. I can't remember if they DJed on the talk. That, uh, on, I remember when they came. May may not have. Mm -hmm. May not have. But um, people like Shabba, definitely. And many many of those um, big giants. Mm -hmm. Crazy. You guys are doing crazy stuff in the UK. Did you guys actually start to travel to the US or Canada or anywhere else and play also at that time? We... 
we played, Shin invited us at um, one of the World Clash. I can remember it was a double night. I think it was the only time that he did a double night. It was, um, the Saturday was the World Clash and then the Sunday was the, a 45 shootout. So people who bought the their tickets would be a weekend ticket, so to speak. So the, the Sunday, we early juggled, but we wasn't allowed to play any 45 at all. And people's always asked for, for, asked for that, that audio, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think China take that audio. Mm -hmm. So we played the best of three to nearly four hours of dog plates. Right. It was a time when um, Sisla had just done the Real Thing album for Bobby Digital. Mm -hmm. And and so a lot of those, a lot of those dubs, um, we just read some crazy Sizzlers that night. And that audio is nowhere. That, it's just one of those kind of things where you had to be there. If you were there, you got it. If not, just whatever. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Because um, Chin, Chin did contact me and said that, you know, um, people was asking for the early juggling of the... I remember the night very well because a lot of the, the sounds that was performing was... In fact, they were saying that the sound that had represented the UK the night before mm -hmm. on The Clash, um, why wasn't it V-Rocket that represented? But, um, you know, it's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's all good. So then now with even your promotion, Reggae Girls, when did you, did you start Reggae Girls in the 90s or in the 2000s? 2000s. In the two, okay, so then I don't even want to get through it. So even in the 90s, did you guys come to Canada in the 90s at all? No, um, we've never, we've never played in Canada. Um, we've been to um, two of the clashes in, in Canada, mm -hmm. um, but never performed in Canada. We've done, we've done, um, America, we did um, um, Florida, we, we've done Gambia, we've done um, Jamaica, as you know, Europe. we've done all of Europe, and obviously um, all of the UK constantly. Yeah. <laughs> any, any reason why you guys haven't been to Canada before? Um, no, not particularly. We're still waiting for the, the promoters to give, to give me a ring to invite us. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they'll see this now and they'll know that, okay, V-Rocket, this is an exclusive. V-Rocket has never been here, ladies and gentlemen. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. So then, okay, because you've been promoting from in the early 90s, you said, as a promoter. Yes. My first, um, one of my very first promotion was actually with Rodigan. Okay. Um, I was speaking to him um, nearly two weeks ago, um, going down memory lane because, um, you know, we go back a long time. So one of my early promoters, um, way, promotion way back in the days was um, with, with Rodigan. So before Reggae Girls, um, we, I did start doing a lot of events, a lot of stage shows. Um, crazy amount of stage shows. Um, so many artists, you know, Marcia Griffiths, um, 
John Holt, so many. Um, we, we've done shows with, like, with, like I said, Shaba. We've done shows with um, Frankie Paul. Um, I could just keep naming. Okay. Give me two of your most memorable concerts, good, bad, or indifferent, that you'll never forget. Doing all of these shows, but two that sticks out in your mind forever. If we talk, are we talking stage shows or sound? Let's go with, okay, let's give me one of each. Okay, well, if we're speaking about sound, um, sound system, then obviously, um, UK Cup Clash series. Hold on. I don't want to get to UK Cup because that's another destination. I got some questions there. Let's go. Let's go back to artists then. All right. Let's go back to artists. Oh, wow. This is an odd one. Are we talking past or are we talking past and present? Choice is yours. That's an odd one. Stick, they stick out in your mind forever. These shows, for whatever reason, they stick out in your mind. Wow. Okay, so maybe because mm, one of them, can I have two? Or of course you can. Yeah, of okay. course, listen, we're here to talk. Of course you can. All right. Why I have to put this one at the, at the very top? It's because I'm the first person to put this artist on a stage show. And considering he's hailed from, um, not because he's hailed from Saxon, because mm -hmm. he used to work on Saxon, but I would say he's one of the, the biggest artists it, uh, uh, as a UK artist, and um, I was he had maybe two songs at the time, but I saw the talent there, and I don't know how I was gonna do it, but I did it, and it was Maxi Priest. I knew you were gonna say it. It has to be the most memorable because mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. Maxi didn't think it was going to be a big show. It was a female that had approached him. It was going to be a band show. Mm -hmm. He didn't have an awful lot of songs. Like I said, he had um, a song with um, Philip Levi, the God McKee. He had a, a, a combination song with Philip, and he did Strolling On at the time. And... Big venue in Nottingham, iconic venue, the Pally, two floors. Those days, body popping and break dancing was in. So, doors was going to open. It was one of the very first all nighters. So, doors open. You don't really get, we know nowadays people come out late. Back in those days, that wasn't the case. So, doors open at midnight until eight o'clock in the morning. That was the time, and this was this dance was in the art of the, the city center, the town center. So it was Maxi Priest with his band. Maxi bought a coach 
with his family for support because we realized by now mm -hmm. um, it, it came to Nottingham for a radio interview. Those days it was legal station, so it was radio, BBC Radio Nottingham. And he could see these big street posters on the streets with, with, with his name. And this is his first show, so he's thinking, this can't be no joke thing. This has got to be something serious. Mm -hmm. And Unity was on the dance. It was such a it was such a big dance that I didn't even book V-Rocket on that dance because I, we needed the manpower mm -hmm. um, for that dance. So we had Wasifa Showcase from Birmingham, and they had a, a DJ at the time that, again, was creating a storm in the Midlands, Maccabee. Mm. So we had Unity from London, we had Maccabee from Birmingham, Max Priest on stage with his band, and downstairs we had um, a soul DJ, an R&B, and a body puppet competition. Mm. And there was coaches from all over the country. The queue went around the block, mm. around the block. There's so many da dances that I've done that, <laughs> yeah. that, um, that I could speak about, but that one mm -hmm. is, is memorable. For sure. Current day, I would say 2016, um, I did um, a dance called For Lunchhood. Mm. Um, that dance was important to me, Muscle, because we, I wanted to not just have a package that involved just like the mature ravers. I wanted a package that included the mature ravers and the younger ravers. Mm. So everybody would be under one roof. Capacity is like 3000 mm. and it was, um, Taurus Riley. It was, um, um, assassin and, um, spice. But what I did was change it up. So we add, um, it was five performers, so to speak. So the stage show actually consisted of the, those three artists, but we also, I also had Mighty Crown mm. and Metro Media. But it wasn't a case where the two stars was going to be playing during the intermission. They was a part of the stage show. So okay. after the early juggling by my sound, Right, Metro Media opened the stage show with an half an hour set, so he's performing on stage as a as an artist, and then one of the artists comes in, then Mighty Crown, then Sasko, and then um Taurus closed the show with Dean Fraser and Black Soil Band. Amazing, crazy. You know, I mean, the, the, the impact you have, that's why now I understand why they call you the queen of culture. It's a way of life. Because what? Hmm? It's a way of life. It's, it's a part of my life. It's, you know, the, the culture is a way of life. Way of life. Definitely honestly. get it. Get it. With um, Thinger, I want to get into Reggae Girls at UK because this is another legacy that's been this brand, you know, right across the globe. And to sit down and speak with the lady that invented this, I really want to hear how you came up with Reggae Girls and the UK Cup Clash. 
So again, what had happened was um, the clash scene had slowed down. Mm -hmm. A lot of those events that we've spoken about was not happening so much. The scene had changed. Okay. Um, the double decks had come in. Um, the one changer was no more. Well, when I say no more, not everybody had stopped using their what because you have the sound system, the, the rubber dub sounds, the Jashaka and those guys, they never stopped with their one changer. But the double decks had come in, the juggling had come in, there wasn't so much um, live DJs and singers on the sounds anymore. The, the transition had been made. So there were so many stage shows going on um, that it had got over well over 10, 12, 13, 15 years hmm. that the UK wasn't experiencing any clashes. Okay. Especially big clashes. So I decided that um, I did, I actually did a show with, um, yellow, with um, Elephant Man, Captain Barkey, Wicker Man, um, Wayne Marshall, and, 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 a, and a few other artists mm -hmm. that didn't go as well as I'd hoped. And I just sat down one day and just thought, you know what? I grew up in the, the in the sound system thing, and I'm going to bring back clashes. Mm. Some things that's not happening. I want to just do something different and bring back the clash scene. Well, I want to bring it back on a different level. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the guys that um, is a part of the sound, Java, he came to me one day and he said to me, he came with a cassette, and he said to me. Near the V, more I listen to the cassette, you know. It's a song from Japan near Mike Crone. Listen, listen to them. So I took the cassette and I listened to the cassette, and it was the first time I was going to hear anything of Mighty Crown. Hmm. First time I was going to hear that they existed was this cassette. And I thought, wow, these guys are different. Different flavor. Mm -hmm. Japanese playing reggae music and was playing it on this kind of level. So I decided to come with this brand called, and uh, this is our created Reggae Girls. So it's not that it's um, a brand that has many females. I'm the female of it, but it's still under the umbrella of V Rocket. Got you. So we, I contacted, I managed to find out who was dealing with their bookings and I contacted Chin. Now, the first day that um, Mighty Crown was going to do in the UK um, actually got cancelled. The venue, I believe, that we was going to use in London was closed down. So we rescheduled. I got back to Chin and says, look, we're not going to bring Mighty Crown for a juggling dance. We'll renegotiate the price. And I'm going to, I would like to bring them up for a thing that I'm doing called UK Cop Clash. This was 2022, but I was going to start it in Nottingham 
in my own town, which I thought would have been much easier for, for me to promote. So um, this is how Reggae Girls came about. This was 2022, Mighty Crown, Love Injection, David Rodigan, and a sound from um, Sheffield called Willpower. And it was going to be the first clash after many, many years. Big clash. And it was an absolute roadblock. Sold out from one end of the, the from the stage to the to the back of the venue, a full house. It was long overdue, and so two um, two thousand and three, the venue would have been too small. So I decided I want to make it global and put it on a global platform. So I moved it to London, and um, teamed up with. Authentic real music. They they they've got their feet on the ground in London. Mm. So um, by doing that, they would be able to partly look after the London promotion while I took care of everywhere else. So we moved it to London, two thousand and three, um, and introduced more. Instead of having three UK sounds, we would just have one UK sound at the mm -hmm. time and bringing more international sounds. And that's how um, Reggae Girls came about and UK Listen, there's four years. How long did you do UK Clash for? I think we did about eight years, and then I rested it for about maybe a couple of years, and then I bought I did a, a one that wasn't at the Stratford Rex. We did that at the Troxys. Mm -hmm. There's four of them in my mind that I'll never forget out of the UK. Because when it came to the UK Cup Clash, whenever you watch those videos and you see the energy coming from the UK, it was always crazy, crazy, crazy. One of my favorite and most memorable ones is a 2005. This is the one where Bass Odyssey was leading this dance. Oh, wow. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> you remember this one? Oh, I know, I know where you're going to, uh, <laughs> yes, that, you told them about Arctic Muscle. <laughs> I remember this one. Bass I always talk about it. Mm -hmm. This is the one where Bass Odyssey is leading and then there was a no swearing round. And before uh, Bass Odyssey could play a song, Squingy started to cuss and Ninja Man took away the mic. Finish off the story from there and tell us what really happened that we did not see. Okay, so what happened was, I believe that um, sounds should be able to get forwards without having to say anything derogative. Mm -hmm. So I always made in the rule that there was a round that there's no, it's a no swearing round. Mm -hmm. And it would normally be the 45 round, right? So I got Ninja to host the clash that year that. You ch you've chosen a fantastic year because that year was phenomenal. Ninja did an absolute fantastic job. Mm -hmm. He came out in his Japanese outfit and I remember him saying, You see the Ronya? And if your shoes in lean, if your cuss are bad word, you're gone. Mm. He warned them. So, Scringer, as you said, he was leading every single round, hands down. 
and he came out and he said, I fortified the man, them a player. And that team fortified them can do. <laughs> and when that word came out, the whole 3,000 people just gasped. <gasps> and you know what? I had to console him. Scringer went around the back, away from everybody, mm -hmm. and he cried. Hmm. Muscle, he cried, living eye water. Because he'd let himself down, he'd let the sound down, and more than anything else, he'd let his fans down. Mm -hmm. And we'll never forget that clash. And that was one of the iconic clashes of the UK bit because there was no way he was going to lose that clash. It was so crazy. And then the first, you didn't even play a song. You started, I don't know what he was thinking. It's just right away. He started with the cussing without a song. They were eliminated. No song played. No song played. And I'll tell you what, um, he didn't play the song. He didn't play a song in that round. He just swore and totally forgot. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened to Panther Black Cat in 2003 mm. at Oceans in Acne. He swore, but Panther was the underdog because Panther hadn't clashed. Black Cat hadn't clashed for quite a, a, a few years. I bought him out of, of semi-retirement. And he... The fans had just fallen in love with him that night. And he was on his way to victory. And he swore. And the crowd didn't want him disqualified. <laughs> and the rest of the sounds gave him a, 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 a leeway. And he was able to stay in the clash. But he swore again. <laughs> and then yeah. that was it. He got eliminated. And it was when he got came back. Uh, 2004, right, he couldn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. They waited for him, they supported him, and he won 2004 Clash. And then um, Scringer made the same mistake 2005 that gave away the Clash. Crazy. But then they came back 05. No, they came back in 06 and completely decimated this wasn't squingy though this was worm and it was um base odyssey and trooper in tune for tune and that's where base odyssey won yeah they they um over the series of uk cop clash um hands down base odyssey has, has won the most mm -hmm. by 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 far yeah, because they're that type of sound, you know. And the thing you would like with it too, V Rocket is considered a country sound. Bass Odyssey with Squinchy, they're the country sound. So it feels yeah. good that the country sound is actually winning. Yes. Well, you know, the, the one thing with UK Cup Clash, apart from the year that um, I think there was two years that I would say controversy was one where um where um Rodigan played the Tennisaur in the one for one against Base Odyssey and um 
based on the play that the Jimmy Cliff, which people now know wasn't um, real. Mm -hmm. So um, Rodigan, the gentleman that he is, um, the, the, the vote was close, right? But muscle, I would say that um, Rodigan edged that vote in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And in other people's opinion, um, but the that vote was should never have been done over. But Rodigan said, "Okay, do the vote over," and they gave eventually gave that gave it gave it to um, based on mm-hmm. um, So that night, I would say that little controversy. But if, to be honest, that could have been a night that Rodigan would have walked away with a, with a UK Cup match. That was the 2008 clash. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that's the one Squingy one. That was actually Squingy's last UK yes. clash. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and Rubber Ranks had to say, listen, this is the wickedest one for one I've ever been in. You know what I mean? UK Cup clash um, used to be the clash that everybody globally um, looked forward to. Mm-hmm. People, we had people come as far as from Russia. We had people oh, from all over the world. All over the world. Um, and what was nice, because if you remember those days, um, we had CDs where you could buy your CD um, and, and DVDs. Mm-hmm. So we 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 was working in in conjunction with the um one with one extra. So what used to happen? The, the, we used to microphone the old building. Mm-hmm. So all the live sounds, mm-hmm. um, and all the forwards, you would get those. And listening to the CD or watching the DVD, it would make you feel as if you're actually in the in the in the in the, the venue itself. So, um, so yeah, it, 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 that's how reggae girls came on the scene, and that's how the UK Cup Clash came on the scene. Yeah, no, those days, because as I was telling you, when you listen to the CDs or you you watch the the, v, the DVDs, you'd hear that crowd sound so crazy. And what you said made sense because the microphones are all around. So you're hearing the four corners destroy in this place. Yep. And like you said, the vibes, there wasn't a year that we lost that energy or the vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, the, all the, the sounds then would come and they would deliver. And um, and you know when to deliver it because the patrons would make them know they be if 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 you was going to get a boo, you get in a boo. If you gain your forwards, you would get your forwards. Mm-hmm. And what was great for me was that all those dinosaurs used to um, respect the event, and they would always take the event, mm-hmm. and they would come and. Um, work hard to give a good performance. So UK Cup Clash had, you know, we even, if you remember one year, there was King Addis there. Yes. And the yeah. funny thing with that one there, Mataran was hosting it and Face was playing King Addis that time there. Well, Face wasn't actually, um, Face turned upon the night 
but mm. it was a different selector that came and his face flew in um, unexpectedly. And when they announced Adis, he walked out on the stage. So people didn't even realize that. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the selector that came. It was a RAS. It was probably Kingpin A1. Oh, it, it, Kingpin wasn't a part of Adis then. It wasn't A1 or Spooky or none of those guys? None of those guys, no. It was none of those guys. Neil Diamond? No. It wasn't Diamond. If if you if, if I hear the name, I'll remember. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But it was one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Long before those guys. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I'm I just sure. remember that's the one face showed up. That I do remember, even though Maturan was hosting. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Because other series you did too was the Winner Takes All and the UK Rumble. How did you... Even before that, was V Rocket in any of the UK UK Cup clashes? No, we didn't. We didn't. And uh, what it is, Muscle? I think over the years, I think with me doing the events, mm -hmm. I just used to keep the sound out of um, the clashing. Mm -hmm. um, the guys wasn't best pleased, but um, you know, I just felt that. Um, we're doing the event. Um, it's a V Rocket event. We would we would still play on them, but we wasn't competing. Mm -hmm. So again, a part of the the journey wasn't just about a part of the culture, the sound system culture. It for me, it wasn't or, or for the guys them, so to speak, because it's a team. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about just promoting and doing events. Um, for V Rocket, it was helping to put bring through other sound system, both UK and overseas, and that that that's important for us. That it's it's not just about us; it's about the entire um, cultural aspect of the sound system culture. You know, to work with as much sounds. Right, be them young, be them unknown, be them dinosaurs. Right, we just want to be a part of the full cultural aspect of 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 the sound system fraternity. So it wasn't about just ourselves; it was about working with as many sounds that we could possibly, you know, work with. Hence, um, what you're coming on to, winner takes all. Um, again it was bringing through strictly UK sounds and giving them a platform that they may not have reached. Um, and it wasn't about just winning UK, um, winning winner takes all and the prize money, but it would mean a journey where they would, if they win, they would mm -hmm. go to UK Cup Clash and then it came a time when I teamed up with Chin for them to go to World Clash. In the Rumble series. Right. Well, this was before the Rumble series. Chin had started a Rumble series in America before we branched it out globally. Okay. So what used to happen, the, the, the winner of Rumble in the US, I would take to UK Cup Clash. And the, the winner of Winner Takes All, 
would go to World Clash and UK Cup Clash. Mm. So winner takes all was a huge prize. So they not only would win a trophy and 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 the, the, the money for that competition, but it would also take them to to UK Cup Clash and in some cases World Clash. Mm. Big, so, big when look, so when you look at the volume of sounds over the winner takes all series going into um the rumble series hundreds of sounds has been able to take part muscle it's crazy the queen of culture you understand you build it they will come have you ever been involved with nottingham carnival Notting Hill in London. Notting Hill, yes. No, not Notting Hill Carnival, but Nottingham Carnival. Okay, so there's Notting Hill and Nottingham. Yes. Okay, so you're involved with Nottingham Carnival? Yes, for, for, for about the best of 10 years, I was I assisted the, the, the Nottingham Carnival with their... Um, with their international lineup. Mm. So people like um, Beanie Man, Marcy Griffiths, Barrington, um, Joseph Wales, um, Bushman, Lucci, um, so many of those artists have been able to book to perform at the Nottingham, Nottingham Carnival. Um, then I, then obviously we took some time out and, um, we, then obviously with the pandemic for two years, there was no carnival. And then, um, the return of Nottingham carnival was in August of this year. And, um, I managed to get Sarani, um, to come and perform. So. Yes, there is a, a, a big community spirit as well when it comes to um, V-Rocket mm -hmm. in, in the Nottingham community. We, we, we like to play a role where we help out the community where we can on, on a musical basis and in other, other um, community aspects. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that brings us to the documentary, a sound, a sound System Dynasty. What was the thinking behind, actually, we've been at the dances, yeah, you'd see the DVDs, you'd hear the cassettes, people would talk about it, you see the flyers and stuff. But what was the thinking to say, okay, let's make a documentary style out of this and present this to the world? Well, what how that came about, um, Parliament, who is... Um, my partner in 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 the in the sound. Um, he has a son. Um, well, Belly the Selector is his son, but his older son Marcus um, left the Nottingham and um, resides in the US. And um, for for a number of years, Marcus has been saying to both myself and his dad that we should document the sound. He says, you guys are getting older. You've been doing this for so many years. It should be documented. Let's get it documented. Um, Muscle is repeatedly keep saying it. 
you know, and when you keep hearing the same thing over and over, there's going to be one day you're going to get up and take note and said, you know what? Marcus is absolutely right. So that just, just as the pandemic was um, starting, he spoke to me and I said, Marcus, you know what? You've been saying this for a long time. Let's do this. Hmm. Let me know what you need me to do on my side and let's get this. Let's, let's make it happen. So massive credit to Marcus Orr, who um, is the producer and the director of the B-Rocket documentary. Had it been for Marcus, it wouldn't have happened. Well, it wouldn't have happened now anyway. So massive respect to Marcus. Um, I, I believe he's done a, 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 a really good job of it. Um, and the work that he's put in, in the time that he's put in, um, you know, adds up to it. So just before the pandemic, he said, okay, I'm going to fly to um, Jamaica and start this up. And I said to him, hold on, Marcus, the, the builder for the, the amplifiers, the rockets, valve amplifiers, the tube amplifiers, now re it's residing in, in, in the U.S., so how about starting with him first? Mm. So I made contact. Um, Lex the Giant is now in his 80s. Lex is, is responsible for a lot of Birmingham sound. Mm. Um, Jungle Man and, and many other sounds that he's built amplifiers for and preamplifiers before he left to the state and went to the States to reside. So he um, went and interviewed Lex um, at the beginning of the pandemic, and the plan was to travel to Jamaica. And I said, Marcus, be careful that you don't get stuck. Let's see what's happening with this pandemic. Um, and then the travel restrictions came in. So everything was put on hold for, until the latter part of 2021. Okay. And that's when Marcus um, contacted me again and says, Listen, our restrictions have been lifted. Let's resume and get this documentary done. And um, he flew into the UK and um, did what he had to do. Um, flew to Jamaica, did um, a series of interviews. And uh, the rest is, is there for you to see. And what I like, it's on Amazon, it's on um, UB, it's on streaming platforms. It's like YouTube is cool, but this is another level altogether when you go to Amazon and those type of places here to stream a sound system documentary that I've never seen or heard of before. Well, again, myself, it was a stab in the dark. I think, um, like I said, we, we, we did the documentary so that not only for ourselves, for it to be documented so in time to come, our children and our grandchildren and their children um, it, it can see, it's there, it's, it's never going to go away, mm -hmm. right? So it's documented. But not just that, it's, we, we believe that other sounds, the sounds them should document, we should have our museum, our archive, of our sound system culture globally. 
So there is a mark. So when you speak of the Adis and the LPs and the 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 Maturans and the and 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 the, the base Hadises and the Kilimanjaros and Saxons and all those great sounds, let's get them documented. The great sounds in in Canada, let's get them documented. So our children in years to come, right? I would love to be able to sit and be watching other people's other sounds journey on these on these platforms mm -hmm. it was a stab in the dark when it came to it getting on amazon prime marcus put it out there and um he contacted me and said um it just passed its passed all its 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 clean billings out within 48 hours which was unbelievable mm. um it wasn't easy for me i had a lot of work to do um Obviously, for those who's, who, who hasn't seen the documentary, um, there's a lot of patra in there. So we had to sit and script everything that was said in an hour and a half. So, so we have the subtitles. So um, I think about three weeks after that, he contacted me and said, I'm watching um, The Rocket Dynasty on Amazon. I says... Are you serious? He said, V, I'm sat at home watching The Rocket Dynasty on Amazon Prime. Crazy. And I thought, wow. Unbelievable. And the thing, the thing, the thing was, Mossa, with that we had I planned a a premiere, a premiere, a, a premiere showing at a at a cinema. In Nottingham, um, my my son um, has done some events there, so I thought it would be a good idea. Let's. This was before the Amazon, before Amazon had taken it, so we said we we're going to hire the cinema, mm -hmm. three hundred capacity, and we're going to invite um, people from the sound system fraternity in the UK and people in the music industry in general. Mm -hmm. So um, we'd set the date and we'd sent, we sent out the invite. So before that date, it was four weeks before September the 11th mm -hmm. that it was actually on Amazon, but we could not tell anybody because we didn't want people to sort of Go straight to Amazon because we'd already paid for the cinema. We'd sent out the invites. So we just kept it very quiet and decided that we would make the announcement about Amazon Prime on the night of, of the of the first viewing. And that's what we did. And when the documentary finished and we, you know, told everybody thanks for coming and that, uh, but can you please share it with friends and family? And if you want to watch it again, go to Amazon Prime. It was like, are you serious? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's big. It's a sound system dynasty. And what I like, it's like, even with you, your parents started it, you came and took over, and then even your son right now is involved. So this is a real dynasty. DJ Marles is your son, right? Yes. DJ yes. Marles is, is the youngest. But DJ Marles actually started when he was 10 years old. Um, okay. We see one extra. He had his own mix show. But um, DJ Marge, who was my son, he started out with Belly. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I don't want to tell you too much because obviously uh, we want people to go to Amazon Prime and 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 um, rent it or purchase it to watch it. Mm -hmm. But while it last started out with Belly, they used to do under under eighteen um, events. Mm -hmm. um, mine was only ten days to create their own little flyer. We would just go as adults to oversee things to make sure you know everybody be you know being good and stuff and i could see then then marley was um sent in a demo when bbc one extra was setting up and they they took him on board but over that period of time i could see this talent in belly belly is is, is older than marley mm -hmm. marley was able to select and um and, and talk on the mic by himself. And I and I said to Parliament, I think it's it's time to put Belly, although he's still young, on the big sound. Mm. So the dynasty from a 50 watt sound system, 1964, and to current day, fifth of you know, having this conversation, 2022, and to see that it's you know, the team consists of another generation. Now, Marnie uh, took some time out with school and stuff, mm -hmm. came back during the pandemic, and in full effect, is doing events. Um, is I'm, I'm, You're going to be the first to know this. Is now actually starting a new platform, Muscle. Okay. Tomorrow, it's going to be launched, and this platform is called the new generation cop clash. And this will just involve the DJs and sounds that really came about during the live stream when the place was locked down. Mm, smart and idea. These, and these young you these young these young kids have has, has got um following that is completely different to the sounds that are clashing today. <laughs> they are attracting the 16 to 18 to 20 year old and they're attracting them in numbers. And Marley believes, you know, like myself, that the time is now where we get these young DJs involved in the clash scene to help the legacy to continue as far as the clash in Dutch industry is concerned. Mm -hmm. He wants to do a completely different format. He don't want them to over worry about cutting in terms of dub plates. He wants them to keep their style, to play the music that the young people enjoy listening to, um, the dancehall stuff, the, the, the Afrobeats, the, the, the grime, the hip-hop stuff that they're listening to, that they like to listen to, and keep it on that lane where they don't necessarily have to be having to do the things that, that he's, he's growing up um, see us doing mm -hmm. in trying to find the money to cut expensive dog plates. So he's he, he starting that. The, the first one is going to be um, in, in December. Um, it's not an uh, overly big place, and he wants to just take time, build that brand, and, and get the young people who's not so much in, interested in the clash scene.
to introduce them to the, the DJs that they're following um, and watch them compete. That's pretty so smart. That's dynasty, smart. The dynasty, you know, hopefully conti can continue. 100% agree. I have two last questions here for you before I get you out of here. Yesterday, I just got a message at um, Claude, Super Claude from a freak had passed. And I know a couple months ago, um, Corporal Billy from Love Injection has passed. Have you done any work with them in the past? Have any memories or anything with either Corporal Billy or Super Claude? Um, I've not done anything. Um, we played many times with um, Love Injection. Um, rest in peace um, to both iconic Claude. Is very, you know, I used to come to the States and go and listen to Afrique sound station so when i heard the news it was another sad day that another icon um uh, has passed um billy this weekend will be the first year anniversary um okay. this coming weekend will be a year since the passing of corporal billy um and we've we've played many a times um together with with um love injection with corporal billy performing Cobra Billy will be always be always be missed um, when it comes to the the UK sound system fraternity and overseas, so to speak, because um, great MC, mm -hmm. um, you know. So he'll always always be missed, and it's a name um, that will always be remembered because he had that style, um, he had that delivery, and he was an excellent MC. So. You know, we will we will miss both him and Claude. For sure. Definitely. Um earlier this year, the last world clash happened in UK. How did you enjoy the very last world clash that we're getting? And it happened on home soil, you understand. How did you enjoy it? Oh wow, Master, that's a that's a great one. Thank thank you for mentioning that. Because it was so hard. Um, I actually said to Chin, Chin, look, it's always been in the States. You did two years or so in, 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 in Canada. Um, I look after things. How about let's do the last one in the UK. I think it would be well appreciated. And um, the fans are there. UK has that legacy, that clash legacy. Um, nobody can take that away from the UK. The UK was the leading country for clashes. For sure. Yes, we went for a period where it wasn't happening, but UK was one of the leading countries when it comes country when it comes to the, the clashing industry. So when Chin said, "Okay, Lady V, let, let's do let's do it in the UK." Um, I decided rather than putting it in London, we would take it to, to Birmingham at the, the, the O2 Academy that's never had a clash event in, in, the, in that venue. Okay. Um, obviously, the pandemic um, cast a lot of doubts because we, I think it was three times we rescheduled. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? People believed in it. We believed in it. Um, 
it, it came a time that we wondered, was it still worth going ahead? But if people can hold on to, if, if 450 people can hold on to a ticket for two years, Muscle, it's got to be something that's going to be special. Yes. And special it was because we had the opportunity to honour, not only bring through those new names that was different from um, the troopers and the crowns and, and the maturans and, and, and the base odysseys, but to bring through the mystic and the climax and the cold reds and and oh, and, 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 and speedy and empire and those sounds. But to have the dinosaurs that we could honor for helping the growth over the years of World Clash was fantastic. I mean, watching it and being in the building, two different things. It was, it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, and I thank the fans for believing in the event. I thank the sounds for, you know, sticking in there. And I thank all the dinosaurs that turned up on, on the night to receive their honours. I mean, not everybody was able to travel at the time, but we was able to do live uh, link up mm -hmm. um, with them, you know, thanking um, Irish and Chin for, 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 for their reward. And of course, you know, to have the, the, them said no clash no nice without the messenger Luchi. <laughs> Crazy. And um Luchi was in the UK doing some tour and I thought, you know, for for artists that looks after every sound when it comes to dub plates and make them affordable, um he needed an award as well. And to to ask him to be there to to be a part of host out honest the, 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 the these guys. Um, nobody knew Luigi was going to be there. Luigi was a surprise package. Mm -hmm. um, so again, you know, having that last world clash in the UK and for the turnout and for the, the performance and everything for that night, what a, you know, curtain closer for the world clash platform. And let me just put this straight, Muscle. Okay. Not the closure for sound clash. Mm -mm. As over a period of time, people are getting this um this argument mixed up, but the closure for Irish and Chin's world clash. Mm -hmm. What a closure that was in, in, in May of this year at the O2 Academy UK. It went out with a bang. Went out with a bang. Definitely. Lady V. I knew when Marcus, when Marcus reached out to me and said, Hey, he sent me the documentary. I watched it and I've been hearing your name for time. I said, I knew this conversation is going to be a great one, but I didn't know it was going to be this crazy. You understand? Listen, Russell, thank you so much. You've, um, you know, putting a face to the name because I know you've been doing great things, um, in, in the Canadian region that's, um, gone out globally worldwide. And thank you so much um, for the invite. 
um big up um flair who does flair. a great job um flair is assisting us with um the, the promotional work for the for, for the v rocket dynasty documentary so big thank you to flair thanks to marcus again for making it happen and you know thanks for all the people who have supported v rocket over the years and most importantly has supported the culture because without the support we would not be having this this conversation and we want to keep the legacy going we want to keep the sound system culture going, you know, so teamwork make the dream work, right? And, you know, keep supporting the music, keep supporting the sounds and let it, let the legacy live forever. Definitely. If there's anything you want to say, any information where they could book the song, if they could check out the um, documentary, leave the contact information, leave where they could see it and all that good stuff before I get you out of here. Okay, so it's um, V Rocket Inter on Instagram. It's V Rocket International. All of us, pretty we all have our own Instagram. Lady V, V Rocket International, DJ Mars, V Rocket, um, Belly, V Rocket. Um, email you can um, contact it's um, V Rocket Sound at gmail.com. Um, or, you know, open me up. Um, my telephone, most people know, but it's that easy to get Lady B's telephone, uh, telephone number. I want that number for probably older than, um, older than maybe, uh, older than my grandchildren. So yes, um, just link us up um, anytime. We're ready for Canada, man. Definitely. We put it out there, the exclusive, whoever's, <coughs> sorry, we put it out there. Whoever's watching this, you'll see. V-Rocket has never been to Canada in their how many years history has V-Rocket been around? Since 1964. 1964. That would make 11. That's 58 years, okay? In your 58-year history, V-Rocket has not been to Canada. Promoters, listen up. We got something right here. 58-year history. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and Muscle, let me tell them this too. Not only... We have a great juggling team, but the guys are ready for the battlefield. Okay. So this is yours. The battlefield is there for us to come and uh, do the battle over in Canada mm -hmm. or a really nice juggling dances. V Rocket, the only song that goes to the moon. Goes to the music. That's what right. is that? Let me give you an outro and get you out there because this conversation, another one for the books. Thank you All very right. much. Enough respect, my brother. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusicut.com.